Good morning. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 22. And while you're turning there, I just would like to welcome everyone this morning. I see some visitors, some that we don't see real often. Uh, welcome. We're just thrilled that you've uh, chosen to come to worship with us, even though most of you have your own congregations elsewhere. May the Lord bless you there. I want us to think um, about a Hebrew word in opening. I pronounce it Heninai. I don't know if that's the exact pronunciation. Heninai. And the, uh, the description of that word is here am I. Genesis chapter 22. I'll not go through the whole account here. You're very familiar with God calling Abraham to go up on Mount Sinai and uh, take his son with him and to offer a sacrifice to God. I'll pick up the reading, Genesis chapter 22, verse 7. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told of him. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel said, and the angel of the Lord called unto him of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And that's the, the word henii. And, and he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket of thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Ira. Now I'll just stop reading there. We've been so blessed this week by being here at these meetings and how the Lord has spoken to us. Probably he has spoken to us each one differently. I don't know. But he has called, I feel like, every message, though each, each evening has been a little bit different. The, the commonality that I feel through all of the messages is God is calling us to a deeper relationship with him. And as the Lord has spoken that to me, uh, you know, Brother Jerry has a way of delivering a message, and, and like he has even said, he asks a lot of questions. And some questions have been very, um, very deep and very heart-provoking. And I would summarize all of these questions the last few evenings in one question, and that is, what is holding me back? What is holding me back? And think back through the different messages. That of discipleship, that of relationship. Last evening, uh, that of our conscience. What is holding me back? And our answer should be, Lord, here am I. Now that, that Hebrew word goes much deeper than just, Lord, here I stand in your presence. It's that, but it also goes deeper in Hebrew, meaning, Lord, I stand in your presence. What would you have me to do? It speaks about a full submission to him. Here am I. What do you have me to do? 
but it even goes one notch further. It ramps up the heat because it is usually in the context of I can't take any more. But what would you have me to do? It speaks about a Moses standing in front of a burning bush. It speaks about Noah building an ark. I mean, it, don't, it doesn't get any crazier than that. And yet, okay, I'm 100 years old, I'll do it. And it speaks about Abraham drawing the knife. It's not just simply saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? But it's when the pressure is on and I can't take any more. Maybe it's my schedule doesn't allow any more time and God calls us to do something in that week or in that moment or in that day. Maybe a relationship is on the rough side and God calls us one step deeper with that individual. Maybe it's in the midst of our greatest fear and God calls us one step further towards him to face that fear. Lord, here am I. And so as, as the messages have spoken to us, possibly each one of us different, I don't know where you find your, your state this week, but I feel like God is, is calling us and he's asking, what's holding me back? And our answer should be, Hinanini, here am I. We'll open it up for prayer request at this time. There's probably many burdens on your heart. Jeff? Steve Cottrell's wife in South Carolina passed away. I think Jeff's are planning on flying down there, right? So you can pray for Jeff's as well and their travels and others that would be traveling. It was mentioned last evening that our Dallas Center congregation, Dallas Center, Iowa, I think over half of their congregation is laid up with COVID. So pretty big wave there. Any other Gail. Yes, Bruce Landis here in our area. Uh, still struggling, but I think they're still doing some research. Health issues. Jenny? Pray for Ken and Melissa Brock. Her mother's not doing well and looks like the time is near, so pray for them and their family. Pray for Arlene's family. Okay, let's come before him in prayer. Rod Long, would you lead us in prayer?
It's always so inspirational to have a song at this time.
It's a privilege to introduce to you our guest speaker today, Brother Jerry Priest. He and his wife and family, three children, come to us from our Chambersburg, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania congregation. And we'll turn the service over to you, Brother Jerry. Is anybody else hot in here? Or is it just me? It's just me. I'm sorry. Well, I would also like to welcome everybody into God's presence here as we enter into the preaching part of this morning. This morning, I'm going to bring a message you know, some of you have asked how long I've been in the ministry. It's been a while. I'll just say that. And it probably took me 14 or 15 years to preach on this subject. And that's because on both sides of my family, just two generations back, people were unwilling to forgive. So can I hold a grudge? I've been trained. We're going to get to 1 John chapter 1. If I don't read something right this morning, I'm sorry. Because I don't think my glasses are going to work too good. I'll try, but they're fogging up. But you know, as we come to church this morning... And Brother Bart has mentioned this in his opening. We come to thrive spiritually, don't we? We come to grow, don't we? And yet, when we think about the idea of forgiveness... When we as Christians refuse to forgive I think we start to dry up spiritually and if we look into God's word we call ourselves Christ's follower Can we look anywhere in our lives and point to a situation that we should not forgive? When God promises us in his word to forgive all who ask. There's no attachments. He promises to forgive all who ask. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgive us and cleanse us. And yet, it only takes us 
to ask. To ask. This morning we're going to look at four facts about forgiveness to try and understand what God expects of us. And the first one we're going to look at is that forgiveness brings peace. When we look into God's word and we think about forgiveness, it's not always spelled out as, for, as the word forgiveness. Oftentimes when God's speaking about forgiveness, he uses the word reconcile or reconciliation. Anybody know what reconcile means? What's it mean? Make things right. Expand a little bit. When you make things right, what's that do? Restores relationship. Keep going. Keep building. Make things right. Restores a relationship. Brings peace. See, so often we look at those first two. And we forget about the peace aspect. We forgive to make things right. We forgive to build a relationship back to what it was. But we forget about the peace that it can bring in my life and whoever I needed to forgive. All of us or most of us have accepted Christ as your savior. And I mentioned that one of the earlier nights this week. And some days I think about that and I think of the peace that I felt in that moment. To be forgiven of my sins. Totally set free. And the peace that comes upon us. When God forgives us from the weight of the sin that was on our shoulders. The Bible also uses the imagery of being afar off or far away or separated from us or us being separated from God. Let's go to Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verses 20 to 22. It says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you, see, God has the power to subdue all things. And then verse 20 says, 21 says, And you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now we have a privilege, right? A privilege to be reconciled. A privilege to be forgiven. Verse 22, in the body of his flesh through, the, through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. You know, the other night we talked about authentic conversion and the barriers that Zacchaeus had to face to meet Jesus. And as we think about being forgiven and abil Jesus' abil ability to forgive us, can I say this morning that when that happens, all the barriers are tore down? All the barriers can be gone. 
between us and him. You know, Bart asked us a question in his opening about us being closer to God. What stops us? What keeps us from that? What barrier this morning has kept you from forgiving someone? And having peace with that person? I don't know all of you. I just know what Jerry deals with. And I don't know, you know, sometimes things happen in our lives and we become bitter. And we become bitter toward God because God allowed this in my life. We can come back to him and we can approach his throne as his child and be forgiven. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. You know, as we study through revelations in our Sunday school um, time, oftentimes the throne of God is predicted, or predicted is not a good word, seen as a throne of judgment. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of have a little fear of going before a lawyer and sitting there and letting somebody throw out accusations upon me and being judged, right? You're going to be left free or are you going to go to prison? And yet this same throne that will bring judgment in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 it says let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The same throne it's going to bring judgment. When we follow our Heavenly Father, we have the peace to come to this same throne and to commune with Him as a child of His. Asking for grace, asking for mercy. See, once we're a child of His, we don't have to ask for peace anymore. It's there, we have it, it's ours at our disposal from him. But we're still human. We're still human in the flesh and we sin. And we have to go to this throne asking for forgiveness to once again accept the grace and mercy that he has for each one of us. I think it's awesome that we can go to this throne asking for grace and mercy and not have to worry about his wrath. What a privilege as a child of his to be forgiven of our sins and not have to worry about his wrath. Is forgiveness easy? Marcia says no. It's not. I agree. And that's the second fact that I have. Forgiveness requires work on our part. It's not so easy. And if we read through scripture as Jesus goes to the cross to provide forgiveness for our sins... Do you think it was easy for him to bear the weight of the sin of the world?
and yet he didn't retaliate. Right? Phil says, yeah, he didn't retaliate. And yet Jerry wants to sometimes. I want to retaliate when I'm mistreated, when I'm falsely accused. And oftentimes, I don't even have the power to do it. And yet Jesus had that power to retaliate, falsely accused. And he says, nope, I'm just going to accept it. I'm just going to accept it. God, through Jesus, absorbed the debt of sin on our behalf so that we could be forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we, the sinners, might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, Jesus had every right, all the power, to retaliate. But he said, I won't do it. Because my heavenly father asked me to do this thing. This is his will for me to do. And I'm going to fulfill it. I would ask you, have you ever been falsely accused and been able to bite your tongue and absorb it for the cause of Christ? Does any of this come natural for you, anybody? To forgive? As a child, was it okay for you, for someone to pick on you and you just walked away and just absorbed it? It's okay. Because I know when I get home, my parents will show me love, right? I know someone eventually at school today is going to show me a little bit of love. It's okay if so-and-so picks on me. Let's look at, bring it a little bit closer to us. As adults, what do you do when somebody pulls out in front of you on the road? What do you do? Somebody takes after my wife. I think she has the horn mapped out before the break. We're ready to blow the horn, right? Let's turn that around a little bit. We're pulled up to a stop sign and there's a corner. We're not familiar with the area. We pull out and just like that, there's an 18-wheeler right up behind us. And he's honking his horn. And we're, what do we say? What do you say? Why is it different? Why is it different when someone pulls out in front of us and we judge them, you know, we can read them the right act, that I'm in a hurry and I don't have to forgive, no way, you're in my way, but then when it turns around and we're the one at fault, give me a little bit of space, give me peace, forgive me. I didn't know where I was. Is it easy to forgive? No. It takes work. It takes your mind set on that idea, I think, daily throughout our lives. That I'm going to wake up this morning, and because of God's forgiveness to me, I'm going to say in my heart of hearts, today I'm going to be a forgiving person. 
Was Peter that way? We remember the story of Jesus in the garden, right? And the soldiers come and they're getting ready to take Jesus away. Peter had a little bit of work to do, didn't he? The same as we. I think if Jerry would have been there, he'd be the same as Peter. He's got the weapons, right? Spear. I'll get that guy. Whoops, I missed. I only got his ear. And Jesus responds and says, Peter, put that sword away. And in my own words, I can hear Jesus saying to Peter, this is not God's way. It's not right to retaliate. But to trust God that he will do his part if you do your part. See how it all comes back to us? To do our part? Not that it's easy. Not that God wanted us as robots, that we would just serve him and we would do according to what he programmed us to do. No. He wants us to have the freedom to not retaliate and to trust him and to do the hard work to be able to forgive. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 19, it says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Can you think back in your life where verse 17 really didn't mean too much to you? It says recompense to no man evil for evil. And someone did something to you and you said, you know what? We're going to go have a talk with, I'm going to go talk to Bart about this. I'm going to confront him. And we line these things up that if he doesn't do what I'm going to, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, right? This verse says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Don't line those things up. Don't overthink it. Go with God's mercy and peace and grace to be forgiven. Go in that sight. The end of that verse says, providing things honest in the sight of all men. There at Chambersburg, they get tired of me saying it. What's the truth? Is it 70% of the truth is truth? Is it 80% of the truth, truth? 90% truth, truth? Is that, if I tell you 90% of the story, Bart, is that good enough to be truth? No. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it's not 100% truth, it's not truth. Speak truth in the area of forgiveness. Matthew Henry puts it this way for these verses. Those that revenge are conquered. 
and those that forgive are conquerors. See how that works? Those that revenge are conquered. And we can look into our own lives and see that. Where we tried to retaliate and not be peacemakers. And it didn't go our way. And we ended up being conquered in that situation. And we can also look in our past and we can see areas where we chose to forgive. We chose to forgive and accept and to move on. And we can go back there and say, I was a conqueror right there. Praise the Lord. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Oops. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world under our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And you say, how's this fit into forgiveness? Can I say that fact number three is forgiveness is a choice that we can make? It's not required unless we're a Christian, a true Christian. It's not required. In verse eight, it says, which none of the princes of the world knew. Had they known it, they wouldn't have crucified him. Forgiveness is a choice that we can make. And if we make forgiveness any less than a choice, what happens? What if I would tell you this morning that we only had to forgive according to our mood? Would that work? not going to work for Jerry because Jerry's not always happy every day of the week there's some things that I work through to get happy until the end of the day see it has nothing to do with our emotions it has nothing to do with our mood and we have to understand that And if we think it does, then we make it less to forgive to be a choice. And it's not. Remember whether we pull out in front of somebody or someone pulls out in front of us? There's no difference. It's a choice we need to make to forgive. A statement that we've always heard, I heard it from little up. When someone does something to you, you forgive and forget, right? Are we able to do that? Maybe some of you are, I don't know what the correct terminology is, but... You're better than me, I'll just say it that way. 
See, if you try to forgive and forget, you run into the temptation every time that you remember that sin that was committed against you, all that stuff keeps coming back up. And you want justice. But wait a minute, I forgave them 10 years ago. And because of something they did, I tried to forget and it triggered it in me now and all of a sudden I have those same feelings again. You know, remember, forgiveness is a choice. And rather than think that we are able to be like God, you know, God can forgive and forget. The Bible tells us that. And I'm thankful for that. But I don't think as we in our human nature, we can get to that point totally. Unless God blocks it out of your mind. I think some, another way for us to say it is we need to choose to say, no matter how many times I remember the pain you caused me, the emotions I feel or felt, Surrounding that situation in the past, I have accepted your confession and I have promised that I will never hold that sin against you again. See how that's different? If I choose to forgive and forget when I remember I have problems, but if I tell myself that I've chosen to forgive you, Phil, for everything. And I will not hold it against you. It's totally different. And when the devil brings it back, we can say the same thing again. I already settled that. The fourth fact that I see about forgiveness is that forgiveness is a gift. And as we think of forgiveness as a gift, God was willing to forgive you. He was willing to forgive me for every trespass I ever did. Every thing I did, every sin that I confess, he'll forgive me. So I would ask you, why, as Christians, do we not enjoy to give this gift of forgiveness? Let's go to Psalms. Psalms 86 and verse 5. Psalms 86 verse 5 says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Am I Christ's follower? then why am I not like this? Ready to forgive, plenteous in mercy, unto all of those that offend me, that come to Jerry and say, please forgive me. Why can't I be that way? Psalms 32, 1. Psalms 32.1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
I don't know, maybe some of you Bible scholars can tell me about this chapter. Is this the chapter that David wrote after his sin with Bathsheba? I'm not sure. My Bible doesn't tell me that, and I can't remember which one it was. But I like to think that it is. And if I'm wrong, that's okay. And it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. The precious gift that was given to him after he had sinned with Bathsheba to be forgiven. Was all the stuff taken away? No. He had some things to face because of that sin in his family. But oh, the precious gift that forgiveness can be when we, like David, have been forgiven and our sins are covered. What a feeling that is that we get. Let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 19 to 22. It says, Yet say ye, Why? Doth not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father? When the Son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes, and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. And all his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. You see how precious this gift is? The gift of forgiveness that is promised to us as his children. You know, this preciousness of the gift of forgiveness. I think it mostly comes to us as Christians after we realize what we've been forgiven from, right? See, these first couple verses talk about what you've done. You're going to pay the consequence. That's what it's going to be. You've done this. That's the consequence. You've done this. That's the consequence. But the gift of forgiveness, you've done this. You're not having that consequence. You can surely live because of God's forgiveness. I think before we can become a forgiving person, you need to be a, a forgiven person. And then out of your experience of being forgiven, you can forgive those around you. So in conclusion this morning, as the body of Christ, is it not an option to be people who forgive one another? Is it an option? Kurt's shaking his head. Let's go back to Colossians.
Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. You know, it's so easy for us to stop that verse right there. And say, you know, we have to forbear them, right? We have to have long-suffering. We might have to forgive them. Yeah, well, this time they've really done it. No, we don't have to forgive. Well, let's read on. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any. Any against any. Does that let you out, Pierre? Any against any. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. See the way it works? Christ forgave me. Christ forgave you. Help us as Christians to be able to give this precious gift of forgiveness to those around us. Matthew Henry put it this way, arguments will happen. Sometimes arguments even among the elect of God who are holy and beloved but it is our duty to forgive one another in such cases. See, it doesn't let us out. There's no escape for us as Christians to not forgive. I'm sorry. It's just the way I read it. Arguments will happen, sometimes even among the elect of God, who are holy and beloved. But it is our duty to forgive one another in such cases. What shall we sing? <clears throat>